Let's remember some years, and specifically 1998. You want to start us off? Not really. Okay, well, so 1998, to me, when I was thinking back on it, I was just like, I don't remember anything about 1998. <laughs> Such right? a bizarre thing. We're like, I, I mean, I said this to you earlier, was like the mid-90s I remember super well, and then the late 90s I'm like, it all kind of felt like a blur. Look, I was a grown-up at that point. Oh, yeah, 13? <laughs> 12 at, was the start of the year. At 13 years old. I think I was in eighth grade, right? Yes. No, I think you were in seventh grade. No, you were in eighth grade because I was in ninth grade. Well, I guess, yeah. I was in eighth slash ninth grade. No. Right. Se- nope. Seventh, seventh slash. slash eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was just like, I feel like when you're in middle school, you're just trying to get through the day. Right? Like, you, you don't think about anything else. You're just like, can I get through this day without dying it at Chinook Middle School? Or getting flushed out of a toilet. Or just <laughs> getting made fun of. Yeah, yeah anybody looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> looking at you, saying anything about you, pushing you. I definitely got pushed over one time in eighth grade. Well, middle school was rough. Exactly. That's what Not I'm saying. Th- that's why, I'm, starting this, I was just like, I don't really remember anything about eighth grade. Uh but then started diving in a little bit more to exactly like it, it start. You think in the macro of like, what is, what do I generally remember about these years? And it's like, nothing stands out. There's no 98 Mariners or whatever. I mean, there were 98 Mariners, but nobody cared. Right. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll talk about something with the 98 Mariners, but, but there weren't like, there weren't that notable sports moments. There wasn't an Olympics to tie it to. It was kind of just a year. In I mean, a lot t- of ways. Technically there was a winter Olympics. Nobody cares about winter Olympics. Agreed. And Nagano? Was it Nagano? Osaka? I I do not know that. There was no Osaka Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) Was this the Salt Lake City one? Was that 2002? Uh, No, yeah, I think that was 2002. It it was uh, was Nagano, yeah. Nagano. You're welcome. Uh, But but then, so diving into it on, on a more specific level, we talked last week with Chris where it was like, that was when our NBA careers ended. And as the start of second, seventh grade by not even trying to be on the basketball team at Chinook Middle School, both of our NBA careers ended in that moment. Eighth grade came around and I'm like, well, I got to do something with my life, right? Now that you're not going to be in the NBA? <laughs> I need a future. And I think 98 was when I determined that I was going to be a stand-up comedian. <laughs> How's that coming? <laughs> Look, I've got a podcast, and so does every stand-up comedian. So that's a fair point. I mean, in in some ways, we we're doing jokes on stages occasionally at live shows. <sighs> yeah, jokes, all the jokes. So for me, it was a little bit different because I had a little bit of a unconventional schooling situation, and I ended up entering ninth grade that year. So. The 97, 98 year was my very first year of high school. It was a big change. Big yeah, also shock. A, also a tough adjustment. Eh, tough adjustment. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the things that stand out to me the most when you mentioned 1998 and asked what I can remember was gap khakis. That- <laughs> so <laughs> I was starting at a brand new school, large and frightening school. 
in my opinion. Super preppy school. I don't want to mention the school, though I know some of y'all know this. I've talked to you about this Home before. of Matisse Thibel. Yeah. Um, I was from Renton. I was very much out of place. I was there on academic scholarship. <clears throat> yes, I know. And everybody else was wearing like Abercrombie and Fitch, which I didn't really even know what that was. Wow. Now and we need they, to look up what your LFO then, happened. Right. I know. After, <laughs> I that way after that. Um, so went to the mall, realized there was no way in hell that was happening. Could not afford that. So next thing I was like, wait, there are these ads on TV with people swing dancing and they're wearing Gap khakis. And I was like, that's pretty goddamn close. So I went and I saved up all my lunch money and I bought myself a pair of Gap khakis, just one pair. You personally went and bought your own Gap khakis? Yeah, I had no money. Wow. Like I was just, no. Yeah, that's what I had to do to make it work. So Summer Girls, sadly, was much later. summer of 1999. Yes. Yeah. Oh, one year later. So, got my one pair of Gap khakis. I had my white on white Nikes. And um, that was my uniform. Pretty much, I would shift out the shirt occasionally. What about a K-Swiss? Was that... I feel oh, like... I had a pair of K-Swiss as well. Yes. They're fantastic. And I would write things in the white stripes on the sides. Of the K-Swiss? Yes. Jan would never let us get anything like that. Oh, get anything or write anything? Cause... No, get anything. We were, never, we were never allowed to have anything so fashionable. Yeah, that's why I had to buy it myself. But... <laughs> made it work I, I was thinking by the way we didn't talk about this back at the time the one like cool thing i was allowed to have as a kid kamikazes what's that i don't even know what that is sean kemp shoes oh see that's in that like was... 1996 wow i didn't get any yeah Hand me down. <laughs> you missed out <laughs> you get a, you get the yellow diverson jersey i guess instead uh, yeah i've heard about that one that's a good you actually still have that here um so anyways yes and I remember debuting those fine khakis <laughs> at my very first high school dance. Mm. Twinter. <laughs> I wore khakis too. This was so much later. It was not appropriate. But I, I definitely well, went first to... Off, just respect Jim Harbaugh's existence. <laughs> I, we called it Grub Tolo. Yeah. yeah. Were you dressed like? Twinter. Twinter. Because, you know, you got to combine Twin Tolo. I mean, it, it was the beginning it of winter. Out. It was still 90. It wasn't quite winter, winter. So, Twinter, you know. Uh -huh. um, wore the khakis. We had a DJ that year, I remember, in the cafeteria from Cube 93. And I was, I was, like, shocked because... I've been to wait, some... Which, which, do you remember which one from... Not, like, one of the, like, you know, but, like, you know, where they could rent out... Pretty like, Little Ricky? I what? It wasn't. <laughs> I wish it was. It was one of those you know, ones you could rent out. This was way before Super Sam. Super I Sam know, was probably that was yeah. the first one I had. But I, I went to high school with his younger brother, Pretty oh. Little Ricky. Oh, well, it could have been. I mean, it could have been. Little Ricky? No, it was, a, it was some white guy. I don't know. Like, I mean, this guy was, was white. It so could have been Pretty Little Ricky. I don't know. I didn't talk to him. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in probably 20 years. Oh, my goodness. But yes, so had a DJ. Because um, I'd been to a couple of dances in my middle school career, but it was all um, religious dances. I am not personally <laughs> religious, but that's the only organizations holding dances for people younger than the high school set. But at that point, like the middle school dances were always like the boys stand on one side and the girls stand on the other side and never the twain shall meet. Like yeah. It was very different than high school dances. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, they were more like right after school, they would send the people to the gym, to the cafetorium or whatever, and then you would s sort of stand around awkwardly. 
That sounds correct. I did not go to conventional middle school. Never went to a regular middle school dance. But I did go to the the Catholic parish dances. So my friends would take me to those. And then occasionally got invited to the Mormon dances. But they didn't ever tell me they were the Mormon dances until after we got there. And then it was like, <laughs> wah, wah. Traditional Mormon fashion. First real live high school dance. 93D. There was like a disco ball situation uh-huh, happening. It was dark. Like the cafeteria was trans fucking formed. It was completely <laughs> different. There was like an outdoor area that would be equivalent to like nowadays, or I guess not nowadays, but like where people used to smoke at a bar, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people were out there like, you know, chilling. The patio. Like, the patio. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is so fancy. And then so people are in there bumping and grinding. Uh-huh. Mostly to next. Oh, oh wow. Too close. And finally i realized what that was all about that dance i was like oh my goodness i don't think i wanted to know this or have this happening to me you never want to know that but the good thing about going to a catholic high school is sister sarah Uh uh-huh kind of good kind of interesting sister sarah was a real live nun um don't know what she's up to now if she's still with us hopefully she is bless her soul either way um she literally had a six inch ruler wooden ruler would come around and stick it in between the genitals of the dancers <laughs> not joking would you um, say leave room for the holy ghost no because you couldn't hear anything over that okay. little, pretty little ricky <laughs> over I over mean, happening next the, the, the bass no. was too strong too strong too strong so it was just you would be dancing your heart's <laughs> desire out and then you would feel this wooden poke not that kind of poke <laughs> Different kind of boat coming, coming through. through. I mean, that is that is too close. And it was Sister Sarah, short little nun, in her habit, sticking the ruler in. And so Catholics we, really are consumed by genitals. Oh, so consumed. So we thought we'd figure this out. Um, one of my friend Katrina and I, and we were like, ah, well, we'll dance with each other then. That way, she's not going to care about that. Little did we know. Yeah. Didn't care. <laughs> Didn't care what type of genitals we're touching. It was not okay. I mean, then we also tried the option might of... especially care. Yeah, yeah. We didn't even think of it that way, but then we're like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Tried the other way of turning around. Uh-huh. So there was no genital-to-genital contact. You know, back-to-front situation dancing. Didn't realize the implications of that either, <laughs> but the ruler definitely came up for that. So... That was that was my first high school. So there was experience. you didn't discover a sneak with the ruler. No, we tried. There was no, but sneak. <laughs> no, <laughs> there was no sneak. And I remember if you got like poked with the ruler three times, you were out. You were you're just done. Kicked Good. out of the dance completely. Yeah, you your canned food. You didn't get to take your canned food item home. Like, <laughs> you were done. No refund. You didn't get to take your Sister Sarah <laughs> was keeping track of how many strikes were on every person. In- That's her only job. I mean. <laughs> That's what she was doing. But there's got to be like a couple hundred kids, right? Um, no, I mean, probably. That's really, that was what she was doing, though. That it's, was it's more thing. of a feeling. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Agreed. I, mean, I don't know with, if you when the Holy Ghost struck one. Sister Sarah. Yeah. She's the one that taught me about heavy petting. I remember this. What? <laughs> I, I had to take a religion class in that same year, 1998. And this and, came up? Oh, yes. We were sitting there one day, like, you know. You were learning a little bit about the Bible, a little bit about, you know, world religions. And then one day she's like, I need to talk to you all about heavy petting. And we're like, what the fuck is that? And then we had to listen to this little tiny old nun describing wow. heavy petting. And I just remember, like, my face just burned. <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. But I'll never forget that, that phrase, 
heavy petting. Our 1998s were very different. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so about the 1998 Meredith. <laughs> right. <laughs> Send that back to the sports realm. Should I go with that? Yeah. Well, I, I guess I do feel like fashion. There was something about, we talked about sort of like the quote unquote preppy look where I think things really came together in 98. I just Googled 1998 in fashion, and the thing that came up from the fine people at Quora.com were many of the trends from 1998 were flannel shirts and plaid tops. Yeah, flannel shirts open over, like, a white T-shirt. Yep. Yeah. Do you want to look at this photo? I was a little behind. Right there. Of the flannel shirt open over the white T-shirt, large chains hanging down, definitely a cross in there to appease Sister Sarah. Is that a Lawrence brother? (laughs) Yes. Some, some jeans and then like a, a shirt tied around your waist that you'll definitely never wear. Because you're already wearing a shirt. It's That one's tied there just for fashion. Yeah. I was behind, so I don't think I got to that look until like 2000. Oh, no. <laughs> so the 1998 Mariners. Uh, it's weird because like it was all the same players from 97, basically, but they weren't any good. I mean, I guess, well, they were okay. They weren't as good as they they, they finished third in the AOS. Now, part of the problem was that Randy Johnson went 9 of 10 with a 4.33 ERA. Was it the year they traded him? It was the year that they traded him. He wanted to be gone, right? It, it, and it was part of that was luck, as it turns out, now that we have like advanced baseball statistics. His, uh, his fielding independent pitching rating was not like that dramatically worse than it was. Let me just in say, us 13 year olds had no idea what FIP was. <laughs> that far away. Like 2000 was when I got into Saber Metrics. So he had some bad luck. When did you get into Saber Metrics? <laughs> not on the 1998 <laughs> Eastside Catholic softball team. Sh- certainly uh, yeah, not happening. Nobody, nobody was walking. JV did not make varsity. <laughs> uh, so then the Mariners trade him at the deadline to the Houston Astros. By the way, one of my defining 1998 memories, I, I'm curious whether you remember this as well. There was a Letterman top 10 list shortly after this trade that was like top 10 euphemisms. And oh, one yeah. of them was trading the big unit to Houston. I definitely remember this. This was an important moment, me as a young comedian. Uh, <laughs> yes. Aspiring comedian. <laughs> Dave Letterman top 10 lists were a huge part of that. Every morning, I listened to them on the way to school. As read on Cube 93? Yeah. They would read the top 10 lists from the day before the T-Man was doing this? I, I think so. I mean, I had to leave for school at 7, so it was super, super early. They had I like them four leaving. hours of content God, to fill. T-Man, man. <laughs> uh, what a good times. Uh, so the, do you recall who the Mariners got for Randy Johnson from the Houston Astros in this trade that we all thought was terrible? I mean, I, I do, do you want to guess? Cause I know all of them, I think. Oh, I don't remember them. I don't remember. Uh, so there was John Halama. Correct. Who was a player to be named later. I believe when the trade was actually consummated. Freddie Garcia. Yep. And then Carlos Guillen. Yep. Was there anybody else? Did Rob Ducey go to Houston with him? Or am I just trying to bring up Rob Ducey again? I think you're just trying to bring up Rob okay. Ducey. Now, that was the entire trade. Halama was not uh, dealt to the Mariners until October 1st. But basically, all three of those players became, like, two of them were all-stars, right? And then Halama was at least a professional baseball player. Well, I didn't realize Carlos Guillen was a three-time all-star. That's, that's more than I would have guessed. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, Guillen and Garcia were in the minors, had never played in the majors, so, like, you had no idea who they really were. But then... Garcia, like either the next season or the year after, like immediately became a really solid pitcher for the Mariners and was for several years there. I mean, there, there's 
He won 17 games. We don't, need, we don't need to relitigate the Randy Johnson trade from <laughs> 18 or 12 years ago. No, no, sorry, 22 years ago. Yeah, I was like, yeah. uh... <laughs> Kill me. Uh, but even in the end, Randy Johnson still was like one of the best pitchers in baseball for like a decade after that. Yeah. I mean, obviously it would have been better if the Mariners had re-signed him. But once it got to the point where he wasn't coming back, it was a, a good outcome. Uh, after Randy Johnson went to the Houston Astros, he went 10-1 with a 1.280 ERA. I think we all knew what was happening. Uh, We understand what it's like playing for the Houston Astros now. (laughs) They were begging to tell him what pitches he was throwing? (laughs) Begging to tell him what pitches he was throwing. (laughs) I'm not following. They would beg to confuse the other teams. (laughs) Wait, I hadn't thought about that. That it was only helped their hitting? Yeah, because they're pitchers who people are like, well, pitchers seem to get really good when they go to Houston. And it's like, oh, wait, this doesn't actually help the pitchers. Yeah, this thing is so, this is true 2020, but (laughs) everyone has an incentive to lie about this. Like, all the other teams should be like, oh, yeah, it's a huge advantage. You can't buy, like, it turns you into a superstar. Like, you should say whatever. There's no counter argument. Like, you can't prove that it wasn't. And you can't prove that Randy Johnson wasn't cheating with the Astros after the Mariners <laughs> traded him there in 1998. It is true that you can't prove that. Uh, the 1998 Seahawks. Fat Tuesday. We talked about this earlier on the podcast. That was the year that the famous Vinny Testaverde touchdown that he scored with his helmet that brought replay into the NFL. So that happened in week 14 was of the season. Was this Ricky Waters' first year? No, I think he'd been here a few <clears> years. He'd been around a while. Uh, the Seahawks were six and six at that point. They dropped to six and seven with a loss, won two of their final three, and finished one game out of a playoff spot behind the New England Patriots, coached by one Peter Clay Carroll. All three wild cards. There were three wild cards back then. All three of them came from the AFC East. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> and then at there the were end three th- wild cards then. Yeah. Because there were only three divisions. divisions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so I remember that specifically. There was an almost live, which we haven't talked about in Let's Remember Some Years, and we should. Oh, yes, we should. <laughs> uh, what was high five and white guys, all of them? <laughs> <laughs> there was an almost live where they were like, we, they were like, yeah, we saw a highlight of this. And, you know, he actually did score a touchdown. And then so they show the Vinny Testardy getting to the one. And then the most clip art ever. <laughs> arms stretching over the goal line (laughs) or whatever and it was like this was an advanced graphic for 1998 almost live yeah but that was another thing for my uh budding comedy career Uh, um i think we have to talk about almost live okay because i i wasn't like we weren't that influenced by saturday night live at that time it was like almost live starting to like feral was on by 98 wasn't he Maybe it was like yeah, he right was at the beginning. Of I just don't think it was as funny. Like at, at for me anyway, my developmental level, like almost live was like you needed a lot of jokes specifically about Kent. Yeah, or Red. I mean, I was <laughs> sitting there. I needed. I needed to see those trucker hats right then. <laughs> Does anyone else remember from Almost Live? The uh, I mean, the answer is yes. Dry but... cleaner and phone sex line. No, actually, I don't remember that. Five. Far my favorite sketch. Oh my gosh. My best friend Alex and I would just, we would like recreate this whilst walking the mall, which is another thing I don't think we've discussed is, you know, walking the South Center Mall. Um, <laughs> no, we have not discussed that. You know, you did it too, right? 
Not really that much. What? We went to South Center a lot, but you didn't get dropped off at the South Center Mall to walk the mall. We went to when did Claim Jumper open? That was a pretty important thing for us. Yeah, <laughs> probably 2000, 99, uh, 2000. We would go to the Nordstrom Rack with Jan sometimes. Oh, that was, was way after. But uh, we well, never we never really walked. The, we weren't cool I mean, enough we, to walk. You didn't the get mall. dropped off to walk the mall. No, <gasps> we would go to card stores, baseball card stores. You know, you're not shopping. You have no money. The original Nordstrom Rack in South Center back in the day, there was a card store in that same complex. Where is I recently referenced to uh, Ben Gulliver on one of his podcasts? Name dropping. Uh, well, no, I mean, I just listened to the podcast, or I saw it on Instagram and uh, sent him a DM about it. Uh, he was like, which basketball card trade do you regret or something something like that uh-huh. or which trade do you regret and i traded once a harold minor rookie card i got the harold minor rookie card for a michael jordan hologram card under the logic that harold minor was baby jordan this was to to me probably wow. i don't know who else it would be look at that foresight i had <laughs> was overrated okay so you you would walk them all and recreate this almost live sketch correct and it wasn't high five and white guys I was not a white guy. No. no. It, 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 was, it was a lady that was the dry cleaner, depending on what phone line rang in. She had two phone lines. And then she was, you know, it was at a dry cleaner's. And then if, if a, the second phone line rang in, it was a phone sex line. And she had on like a pinafore apron style situation for her dry cleaning business. She would unbutton one button when the, when the phone sex line came in. <laughs> and then she would change her voice slightly and, and say like, anyway. Yeah, it was hilarious. Um, speaking of walking the mall, though, <laughs> I went to a birthday party where the birthday party was literally just the mall. That's <laughs> that was in 1998, too. <laughs> I got invited to a birthday party, and there was this girl. It was and she a simpler was, time. She was so cool. And I was like, oh, I got invited to Dante's birthday party. And it was the mall. What, what year do you think Baby Fantasy Genius's birthday party can be the mall? <laughs> I don't know. I hope never. <laughs> But it was super cheap. Um, we got dropped off at the mall. We ate, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of all places. We ate whatever we wanted in the food court. Uh-huh. Sabaro and Cinnabon is what wow. we chose. No love for taco time. Wow. And then we went to the Rave clothing store, which is right by the food court, if anyone remembers this. Everything there smelled like burnt plastic when you bought it. But <laughs> <laughs> everything there was also under this $10. This is like pretty Forever 21. Oh, yeah. I definitely remember going to the Rave. Yeah, prob- probably with females. I, th- I don't think they had men's clothing in there. And uh, I might have gone there to choose out clothes for that Grub Tolo that I went to. Oh, it could be, I yeah. think we got it in the downstairs of, this was later, this was like 2001 or two or something. But we got it, in, you know, you remember like, maybe it's the Macy's has that like downstairs area. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like The, the like, cube at the bond. The, the cube at the bond. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> The cube at the Bon Marche. We <laughs> we definitely got the clothes down there, down in the hole. Yeah. Well, I was I was in the rave because it was cheaper than the hole. Uh huh. Um. One time I got a faux leather jacket there and it smelled so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I remember sitting in ninth grade English and people being like, "What is that smell?" And I was like, "Nothing." Actually, I died inside. But. <clears throat> Not the best store to go to. So anyway, the birthday party, the mall. We each got to go in there and buy a five dollar item. So we we did. It was amazing. And is then, there a parent with you? No, that was we're the just, coolest thing about it. They just sent kids around the mall. The mall. God. We were at the mall. We had. I think it was only like two hours or something. We got dropped off and picked up two hours later, and that was the birthday. I don't think I got our present. 
I think I felt really guilty about this because I was like, oh, I don't even. Ah. How are you going to bring a present into the mall? You can't. That's what the panic was about. Um, I think I ended up trying to buy her like a Mrs. Fields cookie or something. Um, but yeah, that was that was a good day. Birthday party at the mall <laughs> was a good day. Um, but oh, something. Oh, the other thing. Can I? Sorry, I know. Sorry, listeners. We're extending the podcast again. Al can cut me out of this. Kevin can cut me out of this. But um, 1997, late December. So for me, 1998, winter. <laughs> because I did not attend this right when it came out. The movie Titanic. Yeah, yeah. Came out. That was like a seminal moment in my life. It was huge. Um, I remember the first time I saw Titanic was also my first movie date. So it was like a friend and I went to the movies with two friends that were had penises, right? So there was no like dating happening. It was just like our parents drove us to... You were talking about their genitals in the cabin. <laughs> no, 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 no genitals involved. Our parents... Well, okay. So my mom picked up all four of us together, right? The boys sat in the back seat. Well, three of us across, I suppose it must have been because, yeah. Anyway, got dropped off, went to the Titanic, no touching, no looking, can't, you know, Straight ahead, focus on the movie, hide my tears, good times. <laughs> Very touching movie. But I do remember that the seatbelt in the back seat of my mom's car smelled like Tommy Hilfiger cologne for the next literally probably year. Was that better or worse than the, the faux leather jacket smell? Oh, better. Well, I don't know. It was intense. Does anyone else? Do you, did you all use the Tommy Hilfiger cologne? I remember we had a thing of Adidas cologne. Do you remember, I don't remember that? that? Oh, wow. I had Adidas. This, is the problem. this was something that Jan got us in the late, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. I remember being a kid being like, when you're an adult, you just wear cologne. That's what you do. All the cologne. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> It's like, that seems normal. I'm like, how do I apply this Adidas cologne? Wait, I just bathe my body in it, which is, I think, what happened with those two young gentlemen. Oh, it's like attended Adidas that, cologne by Stefan Marbury. No, no. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So. I think he's a French designer. Yeah, I think so, too. Uday, um, Stefan. Oh, no. <laughs> We're, yeah. gonna get, we're gonna get to Starberries at some point here. Oh yeah, we oh, are. Yeah, like 2003, 2002. Yeah, I already knew you by the time we were. No, I was gonna say this for Starberries. It's like 2006. Okay. Yeah. He was already with the Knicks, right? Yeah. Anyway, I'm just shocked about your lack of hanging out at the mall, people here. We hung out at the mall a little bit. I mean, Chris got hired at Taco Time in probably '99 mm. or 2000. But we would just go meet him there after work. We would not really hang out there that much. Who are you? I mean, okay, so we all grew up very close to each other, very close in age. I swear we must have been at some of the same places at some of the same times. <laughs> like, when Tristan and I first met, we spent, I think, quite a long time trying to figure out, like, were you at that thing? I was at that thing. Like, we must have been at that thing. We had friends in common, but, like, I did not know who you were, but I felt like I knew who you were. But now I understand why. It's because you weren't at the mall. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and part of the reason why is probably we were playing video games because the thing that happened after that Jets game is I was like, look, enough is enough. I'm so upset about the outcome of this game that I need to replay this game on Madden, So, which we didn't have at that point because we were still rocking the Super Nintendo. In we hadn't gotten the PlayStation yet. It was immediately after this that I like was like, we need to get the PlayStation. Wow. And we got it for Christmas 1998. That Christmas year. 98 was the year we got the PlayStation? Yeah. Wow. 
It was basically like getting a PlayStation meant that it ended for like a decade <clears throat> of me playing any new original games that weren't sports games. I mean, I guess GTA would be the exception. San- Ooh, when did GTA come out? I played San Andreas, did not play. Right. Like even really Vice City, maybe a little bit, but that was on a PlayStation 2. Like the PlayStation itself, I'm pretty sure we only had sports games. Yeah, it's probably true. And, and it was just like, we're going to play, we're going to get college football every year. We're going to get some sort of NBA game most years. We're going to get Madden every year. I remember when I met you, there was Madden Day. You're like, uh, no, I can't hang out today. It's Madden Day. <laughs> it's kind of wild because I hate playing Madden now. You're like, um, actually, I have to get up at 6 a.m. and go stand in a line because it's Madden Day. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> you didn't actually get up at 6 a.m. No. and stand in a line. But I probably, know. at that time, had gotten Madden like the day it came out. I remember you waiting in a line. And I, I don't like, think uh, I waited in a line. He's not that type. Maybe you were lying to make yourself seem cooler, but I don't know if that made you seem I cooler. I don't think that was making me seem cooler. 1998 in film. <laughs> Wait, so the Seahawks fired Dennis Erickson after the oh, season. Oh, wow. This was the genesis of Mike Holmgren. And it ended up working out because they hired Mike Holmgren. We'll talk about that starting in 99, but it's safe to say a good choice. There was also a coaching change on the Sonics front. Oh, hello. Because 1998 was the last year of the George Carl era. Actually, a shockingly good Sonic season with Vin Baker, like playing really well that first season and like singing the anthem at, before a game. It was like a real honeymoon period for the Sonics and Vin Baker. Uh, but then in the playoffs after surviving a five-game series against, of all people, Stefan Marbury. Oh, wow. And the Minnesota Timberwolves. <clears throat> the Sonics got knocked out 4-1 by the Lakers. In the series we talked about a few weeks ago, that Kobe Bryant barely played in as a second-year player. Uh, Shaq pretty much dominated. And the Sonics uh, technically did not fire George Carl. His contract was up. But I was, like, ready, very excited about the change. <laughs> and then there was a lockout, and there's no more games in 1998. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I remember being, like, very angry a lot, like, the November-December, because I didn't have that stress relief of the angry Sonics. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's my, my memory of 1999. So 99 happened all in calendar year 99. Correct. Interesting. We're going to talk about Moochie Norris in 1999. Oh, Let's yeah. years. And White Chocolate. I remember those two being like... <laughs> you link them in your mind? Oh, yeah. That's an Because the, the Sonics played the Kings like early on in that year. They did. And seeing White Chocolate was like, well, we'll, we'll get to it next year. <laughs> But can I guess on cinema? Are you moving to cinema? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's hear it. Also, the the Huskies fired Jim Lambright in '98. A lot of coaches got fired. It, it or was, like, I mean, oh, we talked about this last week. This was a transition period for all of Seattle sports, except Lupinella. Yeah, Lupinella was still around. No, he, he still he wanted to see what we can do next game. <laughs> Tap his feet on the That's ground. All the he back, said. The never. backs of his feet on the ground. Uh, but for most, it was even a transition year, though, for the Mariners. Like, they moved on from Randy Johnson. They had a, I, we talked last week about you were like, they got rid of all the stars. And I was like, it was years before Griffey and A-Rod left. I forgot that Randy Johnson had left in 98. So it really was. You were right. When they were never, after, after 1997 was over, the Mariners weren't a good team again until 2001. No, they made the playoffs in 2000. Oh. They made the ALCS in 2000. Well, I didn't pay attention to them. <laughs> Back then. 1998 in film. And you wanted to guess 
about 98 in film? Like I did. Some, some notable films? Without or? the internet. Okay, let's let's see it. Um, let's hear it. Well, obviously, t- Titanic, even though... It came out... It did not come 90, out in 98. 1997 came, in des- late December. Come on now. I don't think it came out in late December. I just no, looked. December 19th, December. 1997. Okay, I right. have the internet. Right. I'm just I not using it, it right now. Um, <clears throat> Wild Wild West? <laughs> Is it? I did stop popping up here. I think that was later. I don't think so. I think Wild Wild West was a little bit later. Because there had to be like three years in a row of Will Smith summer blockbusters. So it was Independence Day, well, Men in Black. And why don't you all just West. take a little internet look? But yeah, we'll look up Wild Wild West. What else do you have? I mean, that's all. That's all I got. Oh, okay. Uh, well, 1999, though. <laughs> oh, damn. So I wonder what, Maybe. what was the 1998 Will Smith You don't want to close your eyes and you don't want to miss a oh. thing. Oh, boy. <laughs> Armageddon! Because 1998 okay. was the year of the summer blockbuster. And that summer blockbuster's name is not Armageddon. It's Deep Impact. It's, it's also not Deep Impact. <laughs> oh, no. Featuring Tay Leone. It's Godzilla! <laughs> a film that I... I don't even know if I've ever seen this I've movie, seen but you know what I have seen? I have seen Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page playing the song Come With Me. No idea who Led Zeppelin was at the time, but it fucking slapped. That is the single best Sonic's late game song of all time, excluding nobody, even, even over Sing Hallelujah. Which is a great late game song. We I'm had aggressive Puff Daddy, which is something that we really hadn't seen at that point. Uh, it, it was P- Puff Daddy doing his thing, which was just explicitly sampling an older song, but we didn't care because we never heard that song before. Well, I guess 1998 was Enemy of the State for Will Smith. Mm. That one has not, has not mm. aged as well. And it didn't come out, and it was not a summer blockbuster either. There was also a Wallflower song from the Godzilla soundtrack that was huge. Was there? I think that was like the theme to Godzilla. Like there is like a they they had two videos that had Godzilla in it. So I didn't see the movie, but I saw those videos. <laughs> you saw the important stuff. I, maybe it was just Jacob Dylan. Oh, he covered Heroes by David Bowie, ah. and that was a huge song. The, the soundtrack, look, not, not many people remember the film Godzilla, but everybody remembers these songs. They were important for it. Uh, also, 1998 in a film, we had sort of the beginning of reality TV creeping in and the sense of... I mean, the real world had existed for like but, but it was five different. years by It was point? different. There was a bit of a fear of being watched that happened and Truman uh. Show hit... In, ah. ni- in 1998, and that was like we sort of people had grown up with video most of their lives at that point. Uh, we hadn't quite reached the point of everybody having videos in their pockets like phones, but it was like all of a sudden the sort of fear of being watched and reality not being what we see it as as like this kind of naturally leads to Matrix the next year. I suppose so. I I mean I think of it more as Jim Carrey's transition into dramatic acting. It was also. Like, as far as, like, indie films, right? Like, there was the early 90s, and there was, like, Pulp Fiction and that generation of indie filmmakers. Late 90s, we have Rushmore. Nice. Comes out, Pleasantville, as sort of, like, an indie-type film. Uh, Big Lebowski. Oh, there you go. Which I didn't see until 2002 or whatever, but it was, like, this was a huge year in film. Yep. Uh, Seinfeld went off the air. Seinfeld finale, very controversial at the time. 
I want to say Phil Hartman might have died in 98 also. Because as a burgeoning comedian, uh, Phil Hartman was like one of my number one influences in Whoa. comedy. And we haven't talked enough about The Simpsons on Remembering Some Years. But You're like, going to go there before news radio? 1998, May 28th, 1998, Phil Hartman died. Huh. The <clears throat> one also news radio. Like Phil Hartman was the most important person to me working in comedy. And honestly, like I think the Simpsons probably was never the same after he died. Probably true. Yeah. And he, he just did so many important characters for those first, whatever, 10 seasons of the Simpsons. And after that, there was a huge void left and they couldn't do those characters after that. Uh, But, uh, tragic death that happened right around the same time as the Seinfeld finale. Right. Should we go to music? Uh, Dawson's Creek, people. Dawson's Creek leading the, the gap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for the gap generation, for me, it was Boy Meets World. It was like Boy Meets World was on season six in 1998, which I would have guessed it was like went into the early 2000s. When I thought Boy Meets World premiered when they were in sixth grade when I was in sixth grade, and then they graduated like three years ahead of me, which was very confusing because they, they skipped forward. I thought 93, 94 was the first year of it. First aired September 24th, 1993. Yeah, that's 90. So it'd be in its, oh, I guess 98, 99 would be the sixth season. Yes. And it went off the air May 5th, 2000. Okay. Uh, but Boy Meets World was already into the college years. Yeah, before I had graduated high school. And again, we started out both. Wow, we haven't talked grade. about Saved by the Bell on. I know, I was just thinking that. Man, Saved by the Bell was definitely, I think, over by 98. Yeah. Yeah. But we one, were still watching it on reruns. <laughs> we, it was never, Saved by the Bell was never over for us. Exactly. Still isn't. Uh, really, it's kind of sad that Saved by the Bell isn't on a streaming service for you to just turn on and have in the background. Agreed. It is pretty perfect for that. I mean, it ended, the original was ended in 93. It was actually, I guess we did 93 was the first year we remembered. So I have a distinct memory of sitting before school. We had these giant, this giant blue couch. Watching Xena Warrior Princess. (laughs) Oh, wait, that was me. (laughs) We, We had this giant blue couch and I might have like, I think I woke up early and like went to go sleep on the couch and I was eating checks on the couch. No, no, sorry. Crispix. Is that what they were called? Crispix that's, were the grocer checks. Thing. I, I was eating Crispix because I was like, you know what? I need to slim down. I'm in eighth grade <laughs> now. I, ha- I have to stop eating sugary cereal. Were you on the special K diet? When, when I'm on stage as I a comedian. I think that was that time too. You know, comedians have to be physically <laughs> oh <my> fit. God. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember eating a bowl of Crispix, watching music videos, and specifically watching the Puff Daddy, Jimmy Page, Godzilla video. It's like Puff Daddy and some fucking old guy. Never heard of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, somebody here has star power and I don't even know. And then changing that channel and watching SportsCenter in that mor- morning. Because I would always change away when they would do the hockey highlights. Because I didn't care about hockey at all. Which, spoiler alert, still don't care about hockey at all. Uh, and so you go back and forth between MTV, which would just play videos in the morning. In 1998, granted it was 40 years ago, uh, but Sports Center anchors. It was like this wasn't the peak of Sports Center, but this was the Rich Eisen, Stuart Scott peak. Correct. A great era. Kilborn had already left at that point, right? He was already doing the Daily Show. Yeah, Kilborn was definitely gone. Ah, uh, the original Daily Show. 
but like Sports Center anchors for us, those are like people we grew up with. Oh, I mean, we we would just rewatch those hour after hour in, in the morning during the summer. I was watching Rich Marriott and only Rich Marriott, <laughs> which hasn't changed. You weren't even watching Jeff Redder? No. Just only Rich Marriott? I guess he was on in the morning. He may have been. I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't know how you felt about Rich Marriott. You don't? No, I, I had no idea. Oh, I thought everyone knew. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's just a thing. cool it. Friend of the Sorry. pod, Rich Marriott. Hashtag Rich Marriott. I want to look up what year Eisen left. Yeah, Rich Eisen was there through 2003. Stuart Scott was there. It's like, this was sort of like the second generation yeah. of big, um, probably for, second generation for us. <laughs> yes. Um, I think Dan Patrick and Keith Oberman were probably still there around 98 hosting like the flagship they sports They were just center. about Levy at that point, or, or Oberman was, I guess. But it was like Stuart Scott was the voice of the youth, which we somehow were at the time. Uh, uh, Kenny Maine was also coming in as that second generation, wasn't he? And Kenny Maine was there at the time. But it was like... Federal Way's finest. Those anchors mattered to us and were people who we like grew up with, right? Yeah. And watched constantly, every single morning, and usually every single night. I also remember 98, like, I think it was 97, 98, getting Sports Illustrated that year and then starting to get ESPN the magazine because I think it debuted in 98. And that was like very important for me is, is I did, I did not yet conceive of myself as a future sports journalist, but it was definitely like laying the groundwork for it at that point. You know, not like you already knew that you were going to be a comedian mm-hmm. when, you st- when you grew up. That was, so that was the year we went to Ocean Shores was 98. And Wait. it was early, early ESPN, the magazine. It was when they did the yes. ESPN next issue. Correct. With Kobe Bryant and Jeff Gordon and no, not Jeff Gordon. Uh, Eric Lindros, Alex Rodriguez, and Cordell Stewart. So, and 1998 in music. I was busy reading Seventeen magazine. Sorry. And what was going on in Seventeen magazine? Well, they were doing the quizzes in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Got to do the quizzes. 98 in music. We'll see. If, we'll check in with our good friends at hiphopgoldenage.com in just a second. Oh, of course. But we will. these were bleak years. Were they? In a lot of ways. I mean, this was... I had a CD changer, though. I remember. I got a, di- I got a Discman for the first time this year. In 98? Yeah. Oh, or this year. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Summer of 98. Because I remember going to my best friend's cabin and uh, reading my Seventeen magazine, doing the quizzes in the back, and, and listening to my Discman. And what CDs do you think you had for your Discman of the one or two CDs that you had to listen to over and over and over again? I mean, I don't think I was necessarily up on it. I definitely had a Bone Thug CD in there. Okay. Just old. We've already talked about that. Yeah, I, I know. I'm just saying. And I had Might a, you have had the had a miseducation pres- of Lauren Hill? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And I had a President of the United States of America CD. Pusa, they announced that they were retiring from music in 1998. And I got the CD. And then they reunited in the year 2000. <laughs> it, and then played after Sonic's games. For and now they're Casper Baby Pants. Yeah. It, yeah. it wasn't a long farewell for. The President of the United States of America. I mean, we talked about this last week. Like, you mentioned the two formative uh, F, uh, CDs that you had, one of them being Big Willie style, uh-huh. the other, which did <clears> come out in 98. Too. Yes. Oh, Which yes. is, like, in hindsight, maybe Jay-Z's worst album, or his I, worst early album. I remember writing down every single one of the year lyrics to Can I Get a? 
And that track, look, still, oh my god. Wait, Rush Hour came out in 1998 also. And the video, the can I get a video with Rush Hour? I still know every single lyric. At the very end, you're like, who is this visionary? (laughs) I was. Ja Rule. I know. Ja Rule. And then he had a whole hall that came out. Ja. (laughs) Ross Trent. <laughs> when then Holla Holla came out, and you're just like, It's murder! <laughs> you're like, there is a new savior for rap music, and thy name is Ja Rule. I was like, I was like, Fuck this Jay Z guy, average rapper. Ja Rule knows what's up. <laughs> I told you 1998 was bleak. Uh, to- Total Request Live evidence? debuted in 1998 and helped usher in the. I mean, a lot of the stars that happened in like the late '90s, early 2000s were TRL star stars. But it was like both the rap rock era and the boy band era definitely were like centered around oh, wait, it was, TRL. Wait, it was '98 or was '99 the summer of uh... Woodstock '99 was in 1999. Oh, thanks. Yes, <laughs> the Latin music influx, the Ricky Martin and. Uh... I feel like that was a little was bit later. Okay. But when Mark Anthony came around. 98. Rough Riders Anthem? Wow. No, I'm not saying there weren't good songs, but I'm saying in, in the... And also, I'm going to say it in the mainstream as if Rough Riders Anthem wasn't in the mainstream. This was, I don't know what you were listening to. You at your dances. This but. was when Follow the Leader by Korn came out. This was when Limp Biscuit started being a yeah. thing. This was when the self-titled Sync record came out. Like, music was not a... Hi, Sync was 98. I didn't realize that. It, and but then at the same time you have the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Also, why are we is, talking about it in sync as if it's a bad thing? I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but like as part of well, have you ever done karaoke before, good sir? Have you ever cried anyone a river? <laughs> I feel singled out. Just wait till 2001 when I become indie. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I'm actually very excited to talk about the vines. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure are going to be a bigger band than those Strokes or White Stripes. Uh, <clears throat> Will they ever last? But this was a time period where it was like pop music was becoming more centralized in our lives. It wasn't just on the radio. It was everywhere. Have you guys talked yet about the skit? (laughs) And the importance of the skit? I hate skits. You hate the skits? There's only one skit I've ever liked. Deez Nuts. Nuts. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah. I I remember thinking... Because, you know, I'd listen to the radio and then I was getting these CDs and my cool new golden disc changer uh-huh. that had stickers all over. And I was like, they're skits? <laughs> this is a thing? Wow. And I thought it I thought was I like was a just cent- paying for the songs. And I'm getting the skits I'm for getting free. the skits. I thought it was a centralized part of music. It was amazing. Really, the art of the skit has kind of been lost. I miss the skit. Thank God. So many skits in You're like, two. wow, there's 23 songs on this record. <laughs> 16 songs and seven, and seven skits. Seven skits. I really feel like I, I'm getting the setting here. I understand what's going on. Oh, my God. Uh, there definitely are people who are like, I know from skits, like Paul Berman, head of Def Jam, left this week. And it's just like, you just know him from Eminem skits. And it's like, that's who he is. He's a character in the skits. And they're, it's ridiculous. Uh, I think this was pre-Eminem, though. Yeah, the Slim Shady LP was 1999. So we'll, we'll get to that next year because it changed. But it was pro-TQ. It was 
prime TQ era. <laughs> wow, the West Side. The West Side. Can we talk about the I Know Jay remix of Time After Time that came out in 1998? Yeah. Speaking of songs that were played at every dance. Dance. That's a, that's a, that's a good dance song. Amazing dance song. Oh, my God. 1998 was great. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. In 1998 was TQ. Oh I my know. God. You know what half that album is skits? Uh, have, have we talked about the Quad City DJs? That was our... Did we talk about that last time? I think we've <laughs> talked about the Quad City we DJs, haven't we? Okay, wait, we've talked too much about the Quad City DJs. I don't DJs. think anyone's talked about the West Side. <laughs> Till I die. Have we talked about the dip? <laughs> We're too late for the dip. Aren't I we? couldn't do dip. I had Sister Sarah with <laughs> Sister Sarah. There was no. Well, I honestly was going. thinking of it when you were telling that story. Yeah, we tried. We couldn't. <laughs> okay. Oh, so, nasty. from our good friends at hiphopgoldenage.com, as you recall, last year they switched to albums, not singles. And the top 40 hip hop albums of 1998 at number one. Volume two? No. That's not what hip-hop... That's my top album. That is not what Hip-Hop Golden Age is about. This is what Hip-Hop Golden Age is about. Most Def and Talib Kweli are Black Star. Oh. And they present the Black Star album. It was like... I was saying music is bleak, and then there's Black Star. There also was Memphis Bleak. Oh, Memphis Bleak! I loved Memphis Bleak so much. I had a thing for Memphis Bleak. Speaking of two great rappers coming together... (laughs) And forming a group, him and I, Aquem and I, at number two, the best Outcast album came out in 1998. I distinctly remember being at, oh my God, we were in, in Birion across from St. Bernadette's Church, which we've talked about churches way too much. I guess well, that's that where the, the taco place is. It's Fat Tuesday. We yeah. have to. <laughs> it's Fat Tuesday. There was a Jack in the Box there. Is there still a Jack in the Box there? I think I don't so. Think it's gone, yeah. We were, I think Jan had taken, and maybe there was a Goodwill. Jan had taken us to Still a, there. That one's still there. I've been to that. A Goodwill. It's good for thrifting. And Rosa Parks came on the radio. But now there's amazing tacos in that same complex. Ooh, I haven't tried that. Yeah. Sign me up. Rosa Parks coming on the radio and being like, I remember Eric Powers being like another group who were of African descent. And I was like, oh. <laughs> what? Because he, I swear to God, he said this. I don't feel like you could remember verbatim from 22 years ago. It was ago. something like that. And it was just like, I was like, oh, interesting. I'm like, wow, how unique of them. As It just like, had, I had no idea anything that was going on. And then it, fucking Rosa Parks played. <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay, all right, this is music. I remember the first time I heard that album in full beyond Rosa Parks, like till the end, which you don't remember the final track. I'm sure you do. The fine, it's really deep in there. You have Spodio to Dopalicious is not the final it track. It is the final track. I swear to God, there's like three more tracks after that. <laughs> I don't think so. 98 it, Degrees and Rising. But anyway. It, it keeps going. The first time I heard it, I was on my way to, can y'all guess where? The mall. The mall. <laughs> yeah. My friend's big brother was tasked with driving us to the mall. Yeah. And we decided that we had to bring her life-sized Barbie doll. Life size, like this is like a mannequin, mannequin situation, naked, mm-hmm. in the front seat, just to piss her brother off. He had just gotten his license. He was so proud of himself, and he was trying to combat this situation of having these obnoxious young girls driving to the mall by blasting equipment as loud as humanly possible to counteract it. I think we won, though. He had a naked Barbie doll in the front seat. Wow. Uh, there were. 
one, two, three, four songs after Spodium and Delicious. It feels like it should be the last song in the album, and then it keeps going. Oh no, never kept going. <laughs> I'm 75 minutes skits? long. I don't think I kept going. There's only one skit, the Nathaniel skit. Well, then there's Hold On, Be Strong at the beginning. and then, That's not a skit. Well, it's, it's not a skit, but it's not like a full-on song. And then at the end of Rosa Parks on the record. Keisha, cut that loud mess off. That one? Well, no, that's, that's in a song. But then Raekwon, he, the shit's song. major right here. Oh, shit's major. <laughs> yeah. And then it goes into Skewed on the Barbie featuring Raekwon the chef. And you're just like, you know what? It was worth it. It was. <laughs> it was worth it sitting around for, for this that skit. skit. But if they would have ended on Spodiotti Dopalicious, you would have been like, great. That's the perfect record. And I, then it just kept going for four more it, songs. I thought it did. Because it was 1998. <laughs> no one knew any better. All right, what was the number three album? <laughs> At number three. I've totally lost my place. Black Star, Quemini, Moment of Truth by Gangstar, because this is hiphopgoldenage.com. Did not At, hear that ever. Number four, Capital Punishment by Big Pun. There we go. Boricua. Which was not absorbed by some people here. And at number five, a group called All Natural, No Additives, No Preservatives, Chicago Underground, underground Hip Hop Heavies, All Natural. Well... But did they play that song about eating healthy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Talk about Kevin's dead prez issues. It's yes. Dark Out and Hell is Hot is at number nine. Hello Nasty by the Beastie Boys. Intergalactic definitely was like, that song was everywhere in 1998. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. We'll, talk, we'll talk about Let's Get Free. once. That's <laughs> all we got? Are you going to talk about Kevin's issues with eating healthy? About how he hates dead press. Eating healthy. I just don't think you need a whole song about it. We've heard. Oh, year 2000. We'll talk about Let's Get Free. Anyway, some of us were listening to the coup in the 90s. Not actually. (laughs) You wish you were. (laughs) Nope. Oh, my God. 1998. So, 1998. This, these are always so much better than I think they're going to be. <sighs> uh, well, thank you so much for joining us, Ms. Fantasy Genius. I'm sure that Kevin is going to delete that part. Which <laughs> he is. It's going to make it much more difficult to delete it. <laughs> you know, I'm, I won't get on my soapbox here, but I'm just saying. We don't talk about politics on the podcast. We don't talk about like, politics. I figured you were going to delete it all. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Mrs. Fantasy Genius. To remember some years, 1998. Uh, hope that you're able to join us again in the coming weeks. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for having no, thank me. Thank you. And no, thank you. I'm about to get free now. No, thank but, you all for having me. 